mildly entertaining, somewhat obscure guests, relatively interesting topics, semi-professional production quality, reasonably well-informed commentary, a great value for the money, hundreds of fans all around the world. It's the Starting Strength Gyms podcast with your host, Ray Gillenwater. We're joined today by J.D. Thomason. J.D. is the owner of Starting Strength Colorado Springs. He is a senior military officer. He represents um, the fact that we are attracting high-quality people that have done important stuff in their careers, whether it be in the private sector, in the military, what have you. So uh, we're glad to have guys like J.D. on. Um, man, welcome. And I've got a bunch of stuff I want to ask you, but let's let's get straight to the the fun stuff. So you just you just hit a squat PR. What, tell us about that. <laughs> uh, I talked to Nook Delgadillo. He says it doesn't uh, count because I didn't get it on video. But uh, yeah, I got up to uh, 510. I've been slowly matriculating up. Um, so I got to five plates a couple weeks ago and just been adding five pounds every couple weeks. So I, uh, so I go through my training plan. It's as simple as It's a lot of fun. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. 510 squat is beastly, man. Um, hopefully by the time this airs, you've hit 515 and you can send us a video so Bree can stitch it in for the viewers to watch and the listeners to imagine. <laughs> I've got the 505 on there, but Bree would probably hit the red light because it's remembered I, I was about a half inch away from hitting parallel. So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll wait, we'll wait till we get a good one. Yeah, that's a good call. Otherwise, Ripple probably just shut down the whole franchise. So, uh, did, you might, you did, might just, might just fire me. Did you know that, um, when he and I were negotiating this thing in the early days, trying to figure out what's important, what does you want, what do I want to do, what are his goals, whatever, he was They've just, all got to squat to death. I mean, that was he was absolutely adamant about it. He was yep. he was like getting getting animated, saying this can never happen. And for those listening, I've, I've got the uh, the ripito depth signal up on on my on my right hand, which is <laughs> you've you've squatted high, you know. So he's. Uh, and ba and basically what that means is he he's basically saying that the the depth is the indicator it's kind of like when you go to a a restaurant or some kind of retail establishment is the bathroom clean it it tells you a whole bunch of stuff about the rest of the operation if people are squatting high in the gym you know that the standards aren't correct you know that that the coaching level isn't where it needs to be so so I, I get what he's saying, and I love that he's that he's that adamant about standards because we are in the age of uh, diminishing standards, and we are trying to be the antithesis to that. Um, so I want to ask you that that's actually a pretty good segue into kind of why you joined us. Before I ask you that, I wanted to to ask you about your your job at the military. Can you break down what your role is and what you do? Um, yeah, so I'm a infantry lieutenant colonel. Uh, joined the army in 1998 to pay for college decided that this was a lot more fun than college. So uh, joined ROTC, graduated, got commissioned, and uh, been a lieutenant. And then a uh, first lieutenant and a captain, then a major, and now a lieutenant colonel. So it's been about, uh, it's been almost 25 years total um, that I've been doing that. And and the number of jobs I've had, I mean, I could, we could spend an hour. Um, but, you know, I've, I've led platoons. I've, I had multiple company commands. Uh, you know, I've been a, battalion executive officer, battalion S3, um, and I've worked on the joint staff uh, for the last few years. Um, so a lot can, of time. Can you tell us what that means? What do, you, what do you mean by on the joint staff? 
so uh, the Pentagon, the the Pentagon is uh, has all the services in it. Five services now, right? Or six? Excuse me. No, five. Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Space Force, and then okay, yeah, six. I can't forget the Coast Guard. All right, so they're all out of the Pentagon, and each one of those uh, services has a service chief, you know, a four star or so that's in charge, or a three star, I think, for the Marines that's in charge of uh, of running their service, right? And all of them work for the Joint Staff. Uh, so we say Joint when we have multiple services working together in a military operation, right? So when you're running around and there's Marines landing on the beach, the Air Force is bombing stuff, the Army's jumping out of airplanes, you know, inland, and the Navy's blowing stuff up in the ocean, that's a joint operation, right? So um, the joint staff is just, it's its just the uh, the staff that oversees all the services in the Pentagon. Got it. Okay. So that means you... At your level, your job is uh, strategy oriented to the extent that you are advising the decision makers that are doing cross-functional plans across the different branches of military. Is that right? Uh, yeah, generally, but I, I don't advise anyone, uh, especially this is my last last week. the the little The little section I'm in that I've been doing the last two years is about modernization um, and assessment. So joint assessment. So uh, new technologies, new software. Uh, new doctrine, new toys that we're looking to develop and field. Uh, the unit I'm with goes out and assesses those to see if they meet the requirements for joint all domain command and control um, and future warfare, right? Or if it's or if this toy is only going to be good for the Marines. So we're looking for technologies that will support all the forces because you know when at the small level you you fight as a unit you know within your service but when we get up to the big level operational strategic operations we fight as a joint force and most often as a combined force where we have you know uh, the UK NATO um, other Canada other countries involved in the operation as well so that's combined operations so that's the way we fight it in the big picture so um yeah it's it's been uh, really fun and uh, but yeah, my time's up. It's well, so for us, for us non-military people, give us a sense of, of uh, where the Lieutenant Colonel stacks up in the hierarchy. Oh, mid-level management. Yeah. Um, so Lieutenant Colonels and, and the Army has a challenge right now because uh, an inordinate number, more than usual, I think Lieutenant Colonels are leaving the service as soon as they can. Mm. Um, um, it used to be a lot of guys would stay in. Um, you know, for 27 to, you know, 27 years or so as a Lieutenant Colonel. Um, but a lot of people who have the option to retire now are taking it. Um, so they're kind of strapped. But Lieutenant Colonels, you know, um, besides in command, they command the battalion level uh, in the Army. Um, but but they are also the critical staff in the Pentagon that run things, right? Yeah. Uh, the worker bees that actually get things done for the generals. A lot of those are Lieutenant Colonels and full bird Colonels. So yeah, mid-level management. Da down at a, a lower level, like a battalion, you're the boss. There's only one. Uh, but when by the time you get up to the Pentagon, there's about a thousand of you, gotcha. and they're toiling away like ants. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I uh, <clears throat> on one hand, I'm not pleased that that our military is losing great people because Will Morris is leaving as well. Um, so between yeah, you, he's and phenomenal. Will, that's, yeah, that's two solid people that uh, the armed services no longer have. But um, and there's a bunch of good reasons for that, obviously. But I am happy that uh, that a lot of you guys seem to be interested in what we're doing. Um, 
I don't know if it's because the options are so bleak based on the shit economy that we're in and the way, you know, the, the soul has been sucked out of every major company in the, in the nation and standards are dropping precipitously. Um, or if it's just because the opportunity is so great. So, so actually that, that's kind of my question. What, what, what is your motive? How do we, how do we, uh, why are we graced with your presence? What's, what's your motivation for, for opening starting strength, Colorado Springs? Yeah, so I've been a fan for a long time and, uh, you know, the, the big thing for me was uh, I, I have accrued several injuries over my military career. Um, I've had had some bad jumps out of airplanes. Uh, I fell off a roof chasing some guys in Afghanistan and night vision. That was that was not fun. <laughs> and, fell off a roof. <laughs> yeah. Can you pause there and tell us yeah. that story if you're allowed? <laughs> uh, it's, it's not a big deal. So, uh, you know, I commanded a, a kill capture targeting force uh, in Afghanistan. And so we would get these time sensitive targets and the way the operations run is, is I'm a, I'm the commander and I've got attack. I've got some air force guys and some EOD guys and stuff that kind of hang out with me. And when we secure an objective with the assault force, we, after the objective is secure and there's no combatants in there or the combatants have been uh, captured or eliminated, you know, I get up on the roof of the building and we're up there with uh, you know, we're looking at, I'm looking at what's going on all around me. My guys, my guys are focused inside the building, doing what we call sensitive site exploitation. I'm focused on the next objective, what's going on between me and the objective, what's going on in the buildings and the village around us. And so, uh, but we had a guy who somehow that we had missed who ran. And so I was running across the rooftop and jumping these little two foot walls because it was a large complex. And unfortunately, because of my limited limited depth of perception with the night vision goggles. I didn't notice that, that after the next two foot wall, there was no roof anymore. Fine. So I uh, went right down and uh, I had time to turn because your nod's hand in your face. So I had time to lock down the safety on my rifle and turn my head to the side. And I went right down into a chicken coop. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. So did you hurt yourself? Snow... <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I wrecked my, I wrecked my, my right ankle pretty good and twisted my back pretty good and, oh, and man. got covered in chicken shit for my trouble. Oh, uh, man. but my, but my guys got that guy and wrapped him up and, and brought him back. So it was all good. Yeah. And is that uh, yeah, just the way, uh, um, military people casually talk about killing others or did you capture him? Oh no, we captured. Gotcha. We captured. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, the, the book was out on what we were doing by the time I was doing it, where, uh, where, you know, we have to follow the rules of engagement. And once the enemy knows the rules of engagement in that kind of scenario, um, it actually would have been better for the war effort if we were able to, you know, if we whacked them. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I can't allow my guys to violate the rules of engagement um, because, you know, it's a, it's a life ender for them as far as career and then criminal responsibility. So we have to follow the rules. So the enemy knew the rules. If you hear the tactical call out at night, you know, come out with the women and children, hands up in the air, no weapons. All right. No and they're not going to shoot you. Well, yeah, we always search them. Right. But, oh, okay. you know, by then, by then we've, we've already got them. Um, so in, in the few instances where they did come out armed and decide, we call that brawling when they did come out and they wanted to fight, it did not go well for them. And the whole thing lasts about four seconds. So, sure. Um, but, but the word was on the street by that point, uh, you know, 19 out of 20, there was no shooting. Right, right. They they can't fight you with pure force, but they can understand your rules and uh, manipulate their mm -hmm. approach to to uh, take advantage of them. Oh, absolutely. Um, it, the interesting thing about Afghanistan, and, and now we're getting way off 
uh, way off the initial question. But the interesting thing about Afghanistan is because I would go back every couple of years. I spent four years total there. Um, so I got to see completely different phases of that war from the very beginning back in 2003 um, all the way up to, you know, kind of the end game around 2018. It's the last time I was there. And it's just uh, it's iteration, right? The enemy would iterate. Um, so so early on, they were kind of biding their time. And then the second time I went back, they decided that they were going to get a, a couple hundred guys together and try to overrun a small base or something um, to teach us a lesson. And after they got pummeled enough times doing that, you know, I mean, I had one fight I was involved in where, where I, you know, we killed 200 guys in one night, probably about a two hour period. Jesus. Um, cause, cause they were, they were coming to attack one of our combat outposts. Right. And we caught them on the way. Um, so the third time I came back, they'd gone away from that TTP and had primarily gone to IEDs. Right. Because it just, that the old strategy wasn't working, chuck that, let's try a new strategy. And then the IEDs are the same thing. They, they started out with uh, remote control ones on cell phones. And then we, we came up with some, some technological things that made that really hard to pull off. Uh, so then they moved to uh, these kind of ingenious little saw blade pressure plate devices. Um, and then we started coming up with countermeasures for that. And so then they moved to this type of device. And, then we got rid of, we started removing a lot of those munitions from the battlefield that were available. So then they started making homemade explosives in Pakistan and smuggling them in, right? So it was just a nonstop iteration uh, between the two sides on the IED fight that never really ended uh, up until the conflict was over. It's amazing to watch the most powerful military force in the world, the world's biggest employer, the the you know, largest, probably the most, yeah, by far the most expensive organization on earth, the biggest polluter in the history of, of, uh, civilization, you um, always say that. <laughs> go, go up against, go up against these, uh, you know, these, these less sophisticated enemies and really have a problem. Uh, my wife's Vietnamese and I, I can tell you that those clever fuckers, um, did a number on us for, for good reason. I mean, I, <laughs> just just a just a quick fun anecdote you might appreciate. Her and I were talking about home defense the other day because we've got a little girl now, as you know, um, and we're talking about our plan if someone breaks in and you know hiding spots for her if she if the choice is to hide. And she came up with the best hiding spot. One I, I never even would have thought of. She's like, I think I can jump up in the windowsill behind the curtains and no one would see me, and I can sit there with a gun. I'm like, I've never been more in love with you. <laughs> So it's, it's fascinating, man. Um, but tell me, tell me, um, tell me what, what, where starting strength fit into that picture. So did you start to use the program to rehab then? Is that what happened? Yeah. So uh, I, by the time I was a pretty senior major after my first S3XO job, I was in the SFAB, the Security Force Assistance Brigade, uh, the first one that was supposed to go back and change the war in Afghanistan, right? And so, uh, hmm. But I was, I was starting to have a really hard time uh, keeping up, um, taking a lot of uh, meloxicam, prescription painkiller, mm. um, just constant ankle and back pain, uh, shoulder pain. And uh, the running and rucking were, were what would just murder me. Mm. But, you know, I could run and then my ankle would swell up and my back would kill me and I'd have to kind of take two days off from doing any kind of PT. So. You know, I'd been a fan of the program for a long time. So I said, hey, when we get to Afghanistan and I'm locked down for, for nine months, I'm going to start the program. I'm going to do the NLP and we're going to see what happens. And, you know, it's it crazy. Yeah, three or four months into it, the back pain just started melting away. Um, you know, and the the ankle, the issue with the ankles, there's just no mobility because the joints, 
the joints wrecked. I don't have any dorsiflexion. So running exacerbates that, but I can squat, um, you know, so yeah, you don't need much just did the program. to do the low bar squat, right? Anyone can do it. Yeah. Yeah. You need a little bit. I have to turn mine out a lot wider than, than normal people do to be able to get all the way down. Yep. Um, but yeah, it, it was just, uh, it was amazing for me. Um, I went from having to take Meloxicam in the morning and at night and being in pain all the time to feeling, you know, relatively normal over the span of about four to six months. You know, and it was all just because of doing three sets of five and adding five pounds every time. Right. Um, you know, and the progress for me wasn't always linear, you know, like anyone else, you know, I'd, I'd get a little Uchi or Owie and, or, you know, I got stuck on the press, for example, at 165 pounds. I remember I got stuck at the press for about six weeks until uh some micro plates i ordered off amazon came in and then i was starting to make the little jumps and then boom i just started going right up again so hell yeah um but yeah it was a simple program and it worked for me so now i want to bring it to other people and uh and more importantly i like the culture and the company and, and it's the people i want to work with so hell yeah man um yeah we're glad to have you and and what uh so so what were your, your results? Do you remember roughly where you started and where you ended after those few months where you started noticing things were hurting less? Yeah. So the, the, the squat and the deadlift both ended up in the high three hundreds. Um, the bench press ended up in the high two hundreds, like two eighty five, two ninety. um, power clean was up to about one eighty five, and, uh, which one am I forgetting press. And then, and then the press, I was up in the mid one seventies, one eighties, you know, over that, over that nine month period. And, you know, and there were some slight interruptions in training through s- stuff we had to do in Afghanistan, but mostly I was able to stick with it. Um, it was just a limited weight room though. Right. So we reopened a base co- called Tarrant that hadn't been, that had been shuttered in 2014, I think. So um, we moved back in and reopened a base had been shuttered and picked over. And so our weight room basically came from, uh, you know, myself and a platoon, or so worth of soldiers scouring the left, the remnants of this massive base and finding all the weight equipment that had been abandoned. Hmm. And we called it all together under a, under a big tent over in our little compounder in. So we were limited some by equipment, but you know, we had, we had barbells and uh, you know, the big surprise was always if you accidentally grabbed a kilogram plate instead of a pound plate hmm. uh, would get up, work its way in there once in a while. And you'd be like, ah, why does this, why does this feel so heavy today? <laughs> couple extra pounds uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, more than a couple <laughs> so 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 what 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 else were you considering um because because i know military guys uh, are always kind of thinking about their exit especially you know um long-termers like yourself and uh thinking you know, a couple years out and, and considering all the options what what else were you considering other than opening a starting strength gym yeah, so it always made sense to me to to do what you know the vast majority of us do, which is to get back into contracting or to get back with a DOD, DOD or Army related employer, right? So I, I've got a lot of friends that that have retired recently as well, and and they're all back working as some part of the defense industry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, one one of them is actually doing a similar job to to what he had as a major, which is helping people write operations orders for you know, battalion and brigade level operations as a contractor out at Fort Carson. Right. Right. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, you just, 
I just don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. It is a legitimate just, career change because because as an officer, you're you're formally trained um, in military theory. Like this is your education background. This is your practical experience. This is a wholesale mm -hmm. career change for you, isn't it? Yeah, but a lot of it, a lot of the knowledge you pick up along the way applies to to anything you want to do, right? So, I mean, uh, graduate level education, history, theory, and doctrine, right? And the stuff that's really important in that doctrine is how we fight in the army. Um, history is just you know it's history. You can learn a lot, a lot of lessons from it. But the theory was was really important to it because um, part of being intellectually curious is to examine a theory and see not just the domain it's it's proposed in, but how does that relevant elsewhere, right? Um, so, you know, the Kuhn's, Kuhn's theory of paradigm change is one that's now pervasive in popular culture. And people say, hey, there's a, there's a paradigm shift, right? Um, but how many people actually know where that came from? And, and what, what the theory says is, is that uh, a paradigm shift where there's a massive change in thinking about a topic, um, they don't magically occur overnight, but which is what most people think it means. What he says is that what happens is over a period of time, we have the old way of thinking. And as evidence begins to collect that the old way of thinking is wrong, it starts weighing on that, starts weighing on the scale and starts changing perceptions bit by bit. And then when that evidence that the old way of thinking is is completely invalid when that evidence becomes a, a avalanche of weight of evidence against the old way of thinking, then we have a paradigm shift to the new way of thinking that the evidence supports. Right. And then that cycle continues to iterate um, until, you know, we, as we learn more. Right. So that's something that can apply to anything you do. Right. It applies to what we do in the gyms. Right. We iterate. It's one of our values. Does this concept apply to social change? Because I wonder if the evidence part is necessary. I wonder if it actually just requires um, a majority rule or or a vocal and aggressive enough of a minority to to bully the the majority into into allowing the paradigm to change. And I'm I'm sure you, you kind of get what I'm get where I'm going with this, right? It's like there's been a paradigm <laughs> yeah. shift in this country, and I'm not sure it's evidence based. <laughs> well, remember, Kuhn was talking about scientific revolution, not the not uh, cultural right yeah so, yeah okay uh, um, and in a cultural revolution uh, you know something we've looked at too you know i think the the preponderance of the uh, of the people with the megaphones are going to drive the behavior of more people than those that just sit quiet and don't do anything right? yeah, so lots of big megaphones out there right now yeah yeah there are um and and they're amplified uh they're able to amplify using social media and and those systems to amplify their weight by gaining up on people over the internet, for example, right? Mm -hmm. uh, for, for niche issues, um, to, to try to force people to comply with uh, their viewpoint, right? And, and that's just something I don't, that's one of the, you know, to me, that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm, I don't wanna be involved with the Department of Defense anymore is because a lot of those type of uh, DEI institutions have warmed their way in uh, to my cherished institution and they're starting to change things. Um, and everybody complains about it, but nobody can really do anything about it. So, well, well JD, I want you to know, my friend, that uh, you are joining a diverse team. So I'm a half Jew. Um, Nick Delgadillo <laughs> is uh, ambiguously brown. We're not exactly sure where he's from. Um, <laughs> we have uh, two black people on the team. Both are women. So extra brownie points for that. Um, we have an Asian or two. Um, I think we're pretty well covered, man. So 
but well, believe you got it or me not, too, buddy. You got me too, because my uh, the family history says that my great grandmother, Nyswanger, was actually 100% Native American. There you go. So, I think you'll get a bonus on your check for that then. Although you're an entrepreneur, yeah. so never mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is no check. The interesting thing, though, is that we didn't have to hire any special consultants. We didn't put any energy into into people's skin color or to, to what they look like. We just kind of hired people that are competent, and then it sort of shaked out this way. So it's kind of funny how that how that works out, isn't it? Yeah. No, that's uh, that's one of those things I support about this. Company. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, huh, what if you just evaluated people based on their con- ability to contribute and just left it at that? What an, what an idea, yeah. So so I got I got pretty strong there in Afghanistan, and then uh, I I did that thing that a lot of people do who don't want to hire a coach did, where I banged my head against the wall doing the intermediate program for a couple of years, mm-hmm. trying. Yeah, if you're a uh, if you're a forty four year old man, I do not recommend with wife and kids. I recommend you do not try doing the Texas method. Um, but <laughs> but I finally got linked up with uh, Nick Nick and. Uh, so I've been doing a four day split for about a year and my progress has really has, has gone up significantly. So I'm Great. doing well, I'm enjoying it. And, uh, I've learned a lot about programming and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I enjoy it. It's my hobby now. Nick is a hell and of I love, a coach. And I love coaching. Nick is yeah, a hell he's of good. a coach, man. Um, if you're lucky enough to get coaching by Nick, uh, progress is coming, you know? Um, well, so JD, can you, can you contrast for me or maybe draw some parallels between, um, your your role in the military the skills that you needed for that role how you approach the role and with i should say the uh the work you're doing now because because you've 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 now dipped your toe in the private sector you have signed a franchise agreement with us you are searching for real estate you are hiring coaches you're going through our operations manual um and you and i talk all the time and i really enjoy our conversations because Leadership is leadership. Organizational management is organizational management. Execution is execution. Doesn't matter if you're, uh, uh, you know, tasked with a combat mission in Afghanistan or opening a gym in Colorado Springs. That, that's at least my point of view, having never been on your side of things. I, I would love to hear yours. Yeah. So, you know, the Army is, and as we've noted, it's the largest bureaucracy in the world, but really it's about people, right? Um, it's really hard to be successful in the Army if you can't motivate and inspire people, right? So in for officers and, and for non-commissioned officers, everything in the army starts with leadership and we have doctrine on leadership. Um, and it, the old doctrine was be no do. Um, and then it, and then it changed. And uh, I forget what the, the one, two ago was, but you know, the, the role of the leader is to provide purpose, motivation and direction um, to his people and the organization, right? That, that was the older doctrine that's now retired. And, and they brought be no do back. These things happen. It's uh, circular in the army. They, they can, brought can it back. You, so Can you explain that to me? Sorry. Do, what was it again? Yeah. Be, know, and do. So no when, do. when we say be a leader, we say be the man or the woman, the, the officer with character and presence. Right? So that's being the leader. When in charge, be in charge. Um, know is your intellect uh, your judgment, um, really what I would call core competencies, your, your competency, right? Are you competent? Do you have good judgment? Are you, can you, are you smart? Can you critical think and reason things out? Right. And then do is now we, it's execution, right? I lead people, I develop people, um, and we achieve, right? We get the job done. Do we achieve results, right? So when we 
say being able to do that's really the facets you're talking about got it okay. um and, and that applies you know just like you said that applies in to any position you have in the civilian world where you're in a leadership position so that, that's the way i'll be i'll be operating uh my gym in colorado springs you know i have the best uh people available and and where where i have uh, you know i'm looking at apprentices right now okay that's a big investment for me um and it's absolutely critical. They're a critical part of our long-term success. And so I have to absolutely invest in them, um, you know, showing them what right looks like, um, you know, showing them my competency and my judgment and my ability to critically think. And then I have to motivate and inspire them to become great coaches um, so that they can kind of unlock some of the benefits of being a great coach in this, in this system brings, you know, financial benefits, um, but also that just the benefits of confidence and being able to coach, um, developing your coaching eye. There's a lot of great skills um, that that have to be developed, and I'm, I'm just really excited to be able to take some people and get them on that path and get them going. Um, and then, you know, for my clients, right? Every every client that comes into the gym should be having the best training experience of any physical training experience they've ever had, right? Which means we're we care about them. Uh, we're doing right by them and we're driving progress all the time, making them stronger so they can feel better. So their back pain can go away yep. um, so that they can go hiking now. So, uh, so that older person doesn't have to worry about having stairs in their home yep. so that they can carry the groceries in. Right. Um, those are the kind of things that we're trying to bring to people. So oh, yeah. yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm oh, excited yeah. about it. What are some things you're going to bring over from the military, um, philosophically or, um, cause it strikes me when we talk that you have a, uh, one of your skills is understanding what, what we're doing and why, and, and we, as in whether it's with us starting strength gyms or you and your military role, and then extrapolating that out to a broader concept and, and tying it into, you know, an overall kind of philosoph philosophical viewpoint or some sort of a, um, uh, an ideal you're trying to achieve. I know, I know we talk about a lot, for example, developing others and performance management. Um, and, and you have a lot of great things that you've learned, a lot of great experiences, uh, with, with the military and those sort of things. Um, it's a broad question, but are, but are there any specific, uh, tools or skills that you plan on bringing from the military over to your role as the owner of starting strength, Colorado Springs? Yeah, I'll, I'll bring the, uh, the counseling, lessons I learned along the way, right? So performance counseling, we, we're supposed to do in the army, they're supposed to do it quarterly, um, or at a minimum once a year before you get your, uh, your evaluation report or your non-commissioned evaluation report, right? So un unfortunately, a lot of places it doesn't happen because the boss is too busy. You know, they just give you a pat in the back and say, good job. All right. And then, uh, and then, hey, sign here. Um, but the, the best places I've been where the, where the leaders are truly invested in in your success, you know, or in my success in, in this case, um, you know, the boss would spend, you know, a couple hours thinking about all the things that they wanted to knowledge they wanted to transfer to me um, to help me become a better officer. And then he would put it down on paper and it would be like five pages long. And the first half page would be, hey, here's the great things we accomplished. Couldn't have done it without you. And the next four and a half pages were, were here's all the stuff you need to fix. Right? So, so it, it would wake you up because you, you read it and you're like, yeah, you're right. I could have handled that better. Uh, I could have done this better. 
I probably should have double checked that. Um, you know, so it just starts with, uh, with being honest, an honest relationship between, between you and the people that, that you work with. Right. Yeah. So I'm not going to tell you you're doing a great job if you're not doing a great job. Yeah. Good. <laughs> you know, it's, it's simple things like that. Um, but it's a lot easier to get by with doing, Oh, Hey, you're doing a great job, you know? And then, uh, you know, passive aggressively work someone out. No, no, you sit down and you communicate and figure out how we're going to get better and improve this thing. So that that's a skill, uh, I'll be bringing, um, I just like being around people and I like being around motivated, driven people. Um, I don't like energy vampires. I, um, I like people who bring energy um, and are motivated, um, high IQ, positive type individuals. Um, and I think that's the kind of clientele we have in most of the gyms. So I'm really looking forward to making as many people strong as we can. It's the franchise owners and, and the members all share those traits, which uh, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to be around this group for sure. Um, so what, what is your plan when it comes to hiring then? Are, are you, how do you select for that? I guess is the question. And, and I know that it might be new for you in, in the, in the private domain, but I'm wondering how you might've approached this in the military, because ultimately, um, as you said, all organizational excellence comes down to the quality of the people. And then you made an interesting point, which is. Well, if you care about your people, there's nothing more important. I mean, you're kind of alluding to that because because some leaders they they think they're too busy for their people, which just means you're too busy for for getting things done correctly, which is insane. Um, how how are you going to select for that? Are you going to uh, prefer people that are veterans? Are you um, do you have an interview process in mind? To are you going to test people? Have you thought about this at all? Well, here's the thing about interview processes and and. And, and reputation, right? Uh, anybody can game an interview process. Like you could read all about us. You could read my LinkedIn profile and see what my priorities are, and you can shape every answer to, to run right into those. Right? It really comes from when we work together, and I and I see, do you derive satisfaction from helping people yeah. on a, on a day in day out basis? Yeah. Does that butter your bread? Does that motivate and inspire you to do great things? And if that's true, then we're, things are going to go really well. Mm -hmm. um, but you're not really going to see it um, until they're in person, uh, right? And you and you can see it every day because that's not something that you can switch on or off, right? Um, it's got to be something that you feel inside that drives you, and that's the kind of people I'm looking to hire. So, I've 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 had several uh, several interviews with uh, possible apprentices over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I just posted the job on LinkedIn, and uh, I've been getting a lot of resumes, and I always just. Uh, I was just emailing back, hey, you got time for, for a 30 minute phone call? And I just talked to him. And uh, so it's, it's been enlightening. I've gotten everything from uh, from people who are working for the Army's holistic health and fitness program, looking for an escape hatch because uh, they're not. Uh, I think that job's a little harder than it's advertised as. Um, so I've had a few of those guys, and then uh, I've had I had a guy who was uh, an assistant strength coach at Ohio State University who applied. You know, um, and then I've had some kids who are getting kinesiology or exercise science degrees in college and they're seniors in college apply. Right. Um, but the first thing I always ask is like, what do you know about starting strength? Like, do you know who we are? And really, uh, you know, three out of ten knew knew who we were and, and followed the program. You know, so then I just, you know, I just ask them some principles based questions and see how much they know. Do you lift? Uh, not really. I do, you know, I do this and I do that and I do CrossFit. So, 
Uh, the the ones that are, the ones that are the best are the uh, are the personal trainers that have been personal training for a few years because uh, I, I tell them about the apprentice program and they're not thrilled that they would because you know this I got the pay advertised on there for what my head coach and what my what an SSC will make right that's the benefit of making it through the apprentice program which is you know which is challenging it's not easy um, but I'm not going to pay you that when you when you walk in the door. Mm you have to demonstrate your ability to coach and, and that desire to make people better that I'm talking about. Right. You got to have those qualities to make it through. Um, so yeah, th those guys don't like hearing about, uh, about going through an apprentice process, you know, because, uh, I'm a CSCS. I'm kind of a big deal. You know, don't you know who I am? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've been, Oh, you I'm mean that multiple choice for test for the weekend seminar? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the best one, and, and and he was actually he was actually a, a very a very nice dude, um, you know. But uh, he, the guy remarked on on working, you know, at, a, at an elite college, uh, you know, with the football team, and uh, I said, okay, well, those guys are pretty amazing athletes, right? Oh yeah, top the best of the best, and so okay, and. Uh, this guy's, uh, I mean, they move really well. They're like fast, quick twitch, amazing. They they learn things the first time really quick. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're pretty easy to train, aren't they? Uh, he, he said, yeah. And then he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. And that's like, no, no. So, But they are, right? <laughs> I know. I walked him right into it. I was like, you know, anybody can train a, you know, a guy who, who's got a 36-inch vertical jump and is trying to get in the NFL, right? That Because that guy's going to be there. He's... He's going to be there every day. He's going to put in extra work. He's got dietitians making sure he's eating right and stuff. Okay. And he's already strong as hell, this? by the way. And, and he's already strong as hell, right? Yeah. Those are the those are the freaks that you can that can be doing the one you know the one legged Bosu ball with a with a dumbbell swinging around and somehow it will make them stronger. Whereas the rest of us will trip and fall on our face, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so training those people is not anything like how do you approach teaching a 71 year old woman to deadlift when she can't even bend over to start? So where do we start? How do we get her stronger without hurting her? Mm. How do we incrementally improve that range of motion and that strength over time safely to get the desired effect, which is to make her stronger so she can function, right? Yep. That is a completely different process. Um, and it requires a principles based approach. Um, and somebody who really knows what they're doing. Um, with the mechanics and the physics uh, behind, the, you know, the starting strength barbell model. Uh, so that's why there's an apprentice program, okay? Yeah. Because you're not going to be coaching elite athletes. Now, maybe some will come in, sure. right? Maybe there's some high school kids that are phenomenal athletes, and they will derive outstanding benefits. But that's not who most of our clients are. Right. Most of our clients are normal people, mm -hmm. mediocre athletes in high school like me. At best, yeah. Non-athletes yeah. like like I was, you know. Um, yeah. Well, well, let's actually let's actually pause there for a second. If someone is listening to this and they're they like your style and they think they could learn from you and they would benefit from being underneath your leadership, um, where how should they contact you if they want to apply for one of your open positions? Yeah. So the easiest way is to find me on LinkedIn, uh, JD Thomason, owner of Starting Strength Colorado Springs. I've got the job up on there. The other way is to go to uh, StartingStrengthGyms.com uh, and click on the coaching tab. And you can put your information in there and Ina Koppel um, can contact you through that portal and kind of get you pointed in the right direct direction. So she found one uh, really solid possible apprentice for me. I've talked to him on the phone and he seems like a good kid. And, and now he's sending me 
he's sending me videos over the last week of him squatting and deadlifting. So he's doing the, he's restarting the program and we're, and we're getting going. So I like him. And then I had a, I had, I have another one uh, that I think is a, might work out too. So I'm excited. I'm going to bring in the very best people because uh, I want in the army, people just show up, right? Very rarely do you get to reach out and pick who you're going to get right now that's changed recently in a couple of years there's a big market but still much of the time you're going off a phone interview or something with choosing who you're going to bring in and down in the enlisted world you know i don't get to pick which private first class comes into my battalion they just send me like 50 of them at once right um but now that i'm you know on my own two feet i'm going to pick who i work with Mm. okay and they're going to be people that I am happy to see and work with every day people who make my day better people who have the same priorities um people who have the same values are are generally who i'm looking for and i don't care you know race creed origin none of that it's about our values our shared values Mm -hmm. and and your commitment to helping people um if that's what drives you then that's that's the person that i want to work with me and we'll get you where you need to be if your values and your and your skill set uh, is trainable yeah so so that actually leads me to the next thought which is i know i know you think big and i know that the your thinking has not stopped at i'm going to open up a gym in colorado springs i know that you've you've thought bigger than that a longer term than that um, illuminate for the audience and especially the coaches that are listening that might want to come work for you uh, where you want to go with all this so so fast forward and and um map out for us is as far as you've thought this through like what in an ideal world what does your life look like um with your skill set plus the franchise and and uh how does that all pan out over the next few years well 10 years from now i have a private jet and i'm the director <laughs> of marketing for starting strength gyms <laughs> ray gillen water is my secretary all right, I'm down. Less responsibility sounds good to me. <laughs> well, so it all starts with one location, right? So getting one location, getting the staff set, getting that gym uh, cash flow positive, uh, as we talk about, right? And from there, um, you know, I'm putting some some money aside uh, to be able to immediately have the option to to option a second gym, uh, and and maybe more, right? Depends on if. Uh, I have some leads, some friends I'm working with that may want to jump into business with, but um, I think the next location I would probably be going to would be Kansas City if someone hasn't gotten it yet. I think Kansas City could support two gyms. Mm-hmm. Interested in Las Vegas, right? So, but you can't just open five gyms at once, right? Because we don't have we don't have the coaches sure. um, in, in the management place. So it has to be one. Um, I have to get a pipeline going, bringing in people with those right values, um, that high IQ, hardworking, high value people that derive satisfaction from helping others. Right. Mm. I bring them in, we put them in the pipeline, we get them coaching, we increase their pay. Um, and then once, once we've got those SSCs on deck now, now we can start thinking about how I'm going to staff the next gym because every gym's going to need a head coach. Every gym's going to need a second coach as an SSC. Um, you know, to help those people get stronger. Right. Um, so we get that pipeline going and the great thing about Colorado Springs is, uh, you know, I don't know if we've done the announcement yet, but you know, we're going to be on skill bridge as a preferred employer on skill bridge and the career skills program for the army soon. So 
the ability for veterans uh, to come in and apprentice at a gym for anywhere from two to six months on the, on the military's dime um, at no cost to us, but get those critical skills um, and be able to go right into a, a coaching position somewhere. That's, that's going to be five military bases in Colorado Springs. Hmm. So I'm sure I'm going to be able to, to, to take some veterans that want to take that leap and become a full-time coach and be able to get them on that path pretty quickly. And I'm really looking forward to it. I think I mentioned this to you, but I want the audience to know as well. And, and I'll mention it again as well, just in case um, I forgot to tell you, but we had um, the franchisor team. So my, my team um, in Idaho a couple of weeks back, we're recording this in, uh, is it March yet? Uh, February 27th is the day we're recording this. So a couple of weeks back, uh, everyone got together and we did some annual planning because I built a plan initially to grow, to build and grow this company. And then we did everything in the plan. So we were operating without a plan, which is fine because we've got a bunch of smart people on the team and uh, really good tacticians. Like for example, Nick Delgadillo, um, you, you know, he, he would be phenomenal um, as a, as a military operator, you put him in a, in a sticky situation, he'll be calm and he'll figure it out and he'll get a good, a good outcome. Um, that's great. But what happens if you take a brain like that and then, uh, put him with a bunch of other smart people for a couple of days and we talk about our biggest problems and our biggest opportunities and we map out a plan for the year. Well, that's, that's what we just did. And out of that process came four strategies. And by the way, this is Luke's, uh, as the president now, this is Luke's, um, this is Luke's plan. So he owns this and we're doing a bunch of stuff. We're improving internal operations of the franchise company. We're putting some programs in place and some training and operations to help franchisees improve their standards. Um, I'm doing the marketing stuff and storytelling. And then the reason I mention this is because there's also the, the coaching side of things. And so Nick Delgadillo owns one of the four strategies, and that is um, building out our, coach, our coaching pipeline. Because we're, we're in a very interesting conundrum where we only want high-quality people high quality people are hard to find. Um, they're also, you know, and then if, if you're looking at where the concentric circle overlaps of high quality people that know about starting strength and care about starting strength and want to do this, that's, that's a much smaller proportion. And then are willing to go through the process to basically change your career and, you know, start at the bottom and work their way up. Um, it's a, it's a tough situation and we're, but we're not going to lower our standards. So we'll, we'll grow. We're one of the few companies since we're not, you know, we have no, um, no masters. We're not beholden to anybody. We will grow as slowly as we need to. You know, we'd like to grow quickly, but but not at the expense of quality. So Nick is all over this strategy, and um, we actually flew in Will Morris for the week for a couple of reasons. One, because we like him, and also because uh, we want to welcome into the, him into the team. He's 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 fairly, I don't know if nervous is the right word, but whatever that feeling is of, of being in the military for as long as you guys have been. And making the <laughs> jump to civilian life, like it's it's fairly unnerving. So I, I want just I wanted Will to know that hey man, uh, we're your group. We've got your back. You're one of us. Um, let's have a good time together. Let's think together. And the beautiful part about having him there is not only did he contribute to the planning process, but he also agreed to help us on a contract basis with the recruiting strategy to to build coaches um, specific to the military. So um, I mentioned this because I think that's going to pay dividends. And I think if we can capture um, some kick-ass veterans that have unlimited potential, uh, like Jacob Pierce in Tampa, and there, we've got a, we've got a bunch of, of guys that, that fit the bill, um, that our that our future looks even brighter. And uh, I've asked I've asked Will to work directly with you on things because you you and I have spoken about job fairs and how to appeal to veterans and essentially you know the, the marketing and communication side to 
to get it right. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that to the audience and, and, and see if you had any reactions to share any, any feedback or advice on, on that note. Yeah. So, uh, I actually have a call with Nick and Will and Ina tomorrow. Nice. Uh, a zoom call where we're going to talk about, uh, a lot of the, the mega career fairs they'll be doing at some bases. Um, so Fort hood, I think June 13th or something like that, uh, has a two day fair, um, Fort hood, uh, found one at Fort hood. Uh, there's the USA fair in Colorado Springs, which I will be all over cause I'll be back in Colorado, uh, by then hopefully with an open gym. Hell yeah. Uh, so I'll be real excited to go to that. Um, so, so that's one way, um, just being in the portal of preferred skill bridge and career, uh, career skills program providers makes it really easy for, uh, military people who are looking at those opportunities and are planning to retire soon or, or just, uh, end their term of service, right. They'll be able to find us in there easy. And that's streamlines the process for them to do that skilled apprenticeship. Um, it makes it a lot faster than what I just went through. Um, I, it took me about three months to get my packet approved. Uh, so I'm glad I started it early for me to go be an apprentice at Strength Strength Orlando for the next few months. So that's going to be fun. Please tell us I'm more gonna, about that. I, um, I, I'm familiar with what your plan is, but but break it down for the audience because that's pretty cool. Uh, so, yeah, I've been uh, I've been you and I talked for the first time, I think, in 2018 when I was coming out of Afghanistan, when you announced the franchise gyms and I called you and said, hey, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and I said, you're like, all right, brother, well, uh, call me when you're retiring. And at that time, I had about four years I had to do because I just. I just transferred my GI bill to my kid, which incurred a four-year additional service obligation on me. So, good dad. Um, but when I, yeah, but, hey man, save me money in the long run, right? Yeah. With how much college costs now, what do you think it's going to cost 10, 15 years from now? Jeez. Right. Yeah. So, short version is I, I've been planning how I'm going to do this, and that I'm going to I'm going to own a gym, and I'm going to become a an SSC over the long time, so that I can have my hands in all aspects of operating a gym from the management to all the owner things that go along with, you know, the LLC formation, dealing with property and construction and, and all the aspects of owning the gym, um, as well as coaching and managing a gym, um, so that I'm, I'm better, uh, so I can iterate and become better as I go, uh, especially as I look to own multiple gyms in the future. So, um, a big part of that plan was me doing my, using the SkillBridge program, uh, to work with another owner as well as be able to get a lot of reps coaching. So, uh, initially I was going to go to Dallas, but, uh, I can drive back and forth to Tampa, mm. you know, in, in one day, it's about a six hour or Tampa and Orlando. It's about a six, seven hour drive from here. So, mm -hmm. um, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go there for, uh, for about two months. Um, I'll be there four or five days a week coaching, um, learning, from uh from pete true post and i really thank him for being gracious enough to host me uh because uh, we've we've met but we don't know each other real well but I'm, I'm sure we'll be pretty good friends after after this is over so i'm really looking forward to getting down there and improving my coaching skills um but that's setting me up for success right for when i come back and start getting my gym open right yeah. i'm going to see how a how, how a well-run operation works and be able to apply that to make things easier for us in the springs I hope so yeah, I just planned it out. Right? So, sorry, keep going. No, but, but yeah, I, I just, you know, retirement is a process, but when you're figuring out what you're going to do next, um, you know, I, I just did not want to be in a place where I had 
to take a job because I needed the money. Yep. <laughs> I want I wanted to be in the place where I'm doing something I'm I'm passionate about. And so I just laid out a plan, you know, over over a one year time period of how I was going to achieve that. You know, you know, when I, when I was going to actually purchase the franchise, uh, when we were going to start looking at real estate, when I was going to be coaching and, and you've got to synchronize all that with all the retirement stuff we have in the army. Uh, like I start with the uh, with the VA next week, which I'm sure is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, good luck. Um, yeah, Jesus, <laughs> that's all right. I got the MRIs to back my claims. Yeah. So, <laughs> if you ever want an argument against government-run healthcare? Just go to a VA. Uh, Jesus. What? Well, well, they're better than they're better than they were, but yeah, it's yeah. still not great. I, I hope that other others follow your example on this because, um, man. I don't know if this is the case in military land. I assume that it is because I know that, you know, Ben, my brother was a contractor and, um, you know, was immersed in this world for a while in corporate land. The, the egos were too big. Um, you know, I could see, I could see a senior leader. Uh, in fact, I've talked to a couple from, from my old life that want to join us here at starting strength gyms. And I can tell with some of these guys, the ego would probably be too big to, to go coach in a gym. But um, if this is your business and this is your future livelihood and you don't take the time to learn about the service that you're providing and how to actually provide it yourself, I just think it's a big, it's a big miss. And not to say that every gym owner should be an SSC necessarily, but probably not a bad idea to work towards it eventually. Um, if, if anything, just, just as a practical means so that if you have some kind of a gap in your, in your, um, in your staff, you can fill it yourself. So the, the fact that you're going there to see how a gym operates is going to just give you tons of ideas and what you would do the same, what you do differently. Um, and the fact that you're going to go learn from a guy like Pete Trupas, who's a seminar staff coach, you know, the, the amount that your coaching skill will develop in a short amount of time will, will absolutely be worth your investment. And then that's just going to make you a better leader for your staff. And you're, you're already aware of all this stuff. I'm just sharing this for the group. Um, but I, I hope that, uh, I hope that others follow your lead. I think you're, you're approaching this exactly right. Well, I'm very fortunate that uh, that that program exists because it didn't a few years ago. It's, it's yep. you know it's pretty contemporary. So, yep. yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. It's gonna be tough on my family, but yeah, I'm in the army, so they're used to me being gone for long stretches of time. But sure. uh, and that'll be less <laughs> yeah, than ever. I'm really looking forward to it in the civilian yeah. world. Um, one thing I forgot to mention, I, I wanna I always want to uh, thank people where and, and give them credit where it's due. So I wanna I wanna share our thanks with John Miller for putting together these, uh, these veteran programs to help veterans come out and use their GI Bill benefits to, to work at starting strange gyms. And then what's really going to have an impact, like you mentioned, is the skill bridge program. So people can transition out of the military into a starting strange gym apprenticeship and get paid while they're, they're getting their education. So can't thank John Miller enough for setting that up. And, and I, I wouldn't mind at all if we, uh, if we were very heavily military oriented in terms of how we find people. Cause if you have soldiers in the gym that know how to work hard and they've got a good work ethic and they're pre-selected for their competence and they know how to work with people, they know how to take the lead. Um, that sounds like a great situation to me. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and if the feedback at the career fair at Fort hood last year is, is any indication, there's going to be a lot of soldiers who want to do it. Right. Yep. Um, You know, one of one of the big limits uh, with resetting resetting a career and coming in as a as a brand new apprentice, one of the big challenges is it doesn't pay that much hmm. to when you start, mm -hmm. right? Um, 
you know, 10 to 15 bucks an hour and you're not getting 40 hours a week, you're getting, you know, 10, 15, 20 hours a week based on when we have classes and when you can get the most out of your apprentice time. Right. So that, that can be tough uh, for someone who wants to switch careers. Right. Uh, the good news is if you have a full-time job, you can come in and be an apprentice, you know, at a gym a couple nights a week, get that exposure, work through the prep course, start improving your skills. And then eventually we're going to reach a tipping point where you're going to be able to jump full time because we're going to be able to start paying you what you're worth mm -hmm. um, based on the skills we've helped you develop. Um, but all those concerns kind of get blown out of the water by the skill bridge program, right? You're getting the exact same pay and benefits you get on, on as a soldier or airman or Marine, or maybe a Navy guy will do it or a sailor on active duty. Um, and your soul, your sole mission in life is to spend 40 hours a week at a gym learning, mm -hmm. doing the prep course, learning from the coaches there. Um, and it will really accelerate your coaching skill. Um, and it's a phenomenal opportunity if, if you derive satisfaction from helping others and seeing them grow and you like coaching, yep. right? If, if you have those qualities in you, I can't think of a, uh, of a better, way to use your skill bridge time. Well said. Well said. Um, looking forward to you being an ambassador of this program. So when, when is your last day? In, in the army? Yeah. Officially? Uh-huh. So officially, my last day is uh, 31 August. Are there 31 days in August? The last day in August. Right. Uh, but realistically, I think I'm going into work tomorrow um, to high-five everybody. Um, and then uh, I'll be off to Tampa here in, in a few days. So that is awesome. Congratulations, man. Yeah. It must be exciting. Yeah. It's been a it's long time, time coming. And, and I, I have, I get the sense that you get as much satisfaction as I do out of having a long-term plan, putting in disciplined effort to achieve the plan and watching the plan come to fruition, even if it takes years and years and years and years to get it done. Yeah. The, now we're on to the next plan. So yeah. we're still executing the current plan, which is get gym one open and crushing it and helping people. Yep. And then it's on to, uh, to the branch plan, which is where's gym two going to be? How quick can we get it open? Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited about, about the, uh, excited about the opportunity. Um, and I, I just like working with the people I'm working with, right? Every time I uh, meet up with Nick or uh, or you or or talk to any of you guys on the phone, man, I'm just having I having a good time. I love rapping with the other owners. There's some pretty cool cats on there. Uh, so yeah, I like the people I'm working with. Uh, I like the position we're in, and uh, now it's just time to go out there and, and make things happen for people. So oh, yeah. I'm fired up. Yeah, I, I especially enjoy hanging with you, and you've got a couple of beers in you because your 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 war stories are. Uh unlike any I've ever heard or even read about for that matter. So, so with I've got that a lot in mind, of funny war stories, yeah, like man, falling if, off, like falling off into a chicken coop and getting covered in chicken feces. I got, I got lots of stories like that. I, I'm actually most interested in the strategy stuff, how the, how people uh, in leadership positions in the military think and, and why things are done the way they're done. Um, so actually with that mm. in mind, if you end up celebrating uh, with a beer, uh, about your departure, give me a give me a video call if if you've got a minute, and we'll I'll toast with you, man, and we'll we'll talk shop for a little bit if you've got time for me. 
Yeah, more than happy to. I've got lots of uh, marginally humorous war stories that don't involve killing anything. Good. They're just uh, they're just funny on the face. Yeah. So, any parting words? Anything you want to share that we haven't talked about so far? Where people can find you online? That that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So I'm on uh, Strength Strength Colorado Springs is on Facebook. Uh, uh, I am as well. Really, just to support that. Um, additionally, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. JD Thomason, Strength Strength Colorado Springs. Uh, we've got the website, which is a long one, which is coloradosprings.startingstrengthgyms.com. Yep. Uh, Did we also get co-springs? I think, so I know for sure we have coloradosprings.ssgyms.com to shorten it. Do we also have coasprings.ssgyms.com? I think we do. I don't know. Okay. I'd have to check. you have to let me know. Um, but if, Bree, if we do uh, have it, put it up on the screen to confirm that we do, okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's up there right now. And then, uh, yeah, I'm on, the, I'm on the Twitter and the Instagram, Strength Strength Colorado Springs. Hell yeah. Uh, and the Twitter is Spring Strength. Don't post much on Twitter. Mostly I follow Grant Brogy <laughs> uh, and, his, uh, and his humorous tweets. So, yeah. Fellow military guy. Well, well, JD, thanks for your time, man. And um, thank you for for making the jump and, and betting on us. I know a guy like you has a lot of options in life. This certainly wasn't the most profitable, at least not in the short term. Um, and I, I respect people that, that do things for reasons that are bigger than money. And uh, I'm excited to see what your level of leadership and your character can bring to the group and what kind of organization you're going to build. So I'm looking forward to helping you with that and, and looking forward to see what you can pull off. Uh, thanks for having me on today, Ray. Looking forward to getting up in Colorado Springs, and we're gonna we're gonna coach people. We're gonna get them strong. It's gonna be great. Hell yeah, man! All right, JD. Thank All you, right, brother. Talk soon. Take care. Yep.